Good day and welcome to this episode of the Money Buys Podcast. My name is Lulu, as you already know. And today we have a guest, um, the first guest on the podcast, actually. His name is Emeka Onwosu. And um, I'll let you do the honors, introduce yourself and just t- tell us about what you do. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, it's amazing to be here. I mean, like um, the first podcast. So I'm glad you guys, you know, reach out to me. So yeah, um, Emeka Onwosu, uh, I am the co-founder, CEO at Africa. So really, um, my background, um, I, have a bag, I have a major in economics from the University of Port Harcourt. Um, currently sitting for my MBA at Lagos Business School. Um, career, seven plus years in the banking sector, GTB, Heritage Bank, Diamond Bank. Uh, left the bank 2017, doubled a little bit in real estate. Then I think 2019, said, hey, I think it's time to really chase this passion in tech. <laughs> and uh, that's how we found ourselves here. Wow, that's that's a very very interesting background. You know, I wanted to study economics too, but I wasn't smart enough, so I studied <laughs> computer science instead. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. And then um, <laughs> I, I, funny enough, I've never really given my background on this show before. And um, okay, for me, basically, <clears throat> study computer science and um, worked in the in consulting tech consulting awesome. for about 10 years, mostly consulting for banks and um, oil and gas companies as well. And over those, over that time period, I, I had the opportunity to work specifically with banks. Especially, I started my career as, uh, as an application consultant, deploying um, web application firewall for banks, a couple of banks. I don't want to give them publicity, but you already mentioned some <laughs> of them. Um, GT Bank, EcoBank, First Bank, and um, I was privileged to handle a lot of um, solutions, provide a lot of solutions for them, and um, also moved on to do, <clears throat> beyond that, where I really started getting so much involved in finance, because I didn't really, when I said I worked in the financial sector, I wasn't like a financial advisor or maybe yeah. a stockbroker or whatever, yeah. but I was privileged to work on transaction lifecycle management products for a couple of banks. We actually pioneered that solution for a couple of banks in Nigeria. And what that m- means is that we deployed settlement applications for banks. We actually yeah. built settlement applications as well. So to settle um, transactions between interbanks and oh, all awesome. that. So, okay. Yeah, so that was the, that's, that's my background. And like, obviously, you work for an organization for like seven years, 10 years, or different organizations. You get to a point that you start feeling, I think I've seen some things that I could probably do differently here. What's, what were those things that you saw that made you <clears throat> decide to start Scalex? Okay, yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, going back to the bank and, you know, my, my career in the bank, like, I mean, I was really excited, yeah. you know, leaving school, um, NYSE, and the first, my first job, NYSE was the bank. And I was like, hey, I really want to go into this sector and see what's going on. You know, I had so much high hopes. Okay, but I got in, yeah, um, I noticed that. I mean, like, I would say the banking sector is, is quite matured already. Yeah. Um, so they already had, like, set down, you know, it's very bureaucratic. And um, so then um, GT Bank operations, Heritage Bank, uh, I work with the e-business department, deploying POS terminals okay. then at the point. Uh, so I, I had a little bit of experience, you know, playing in the channels um, department yeah. in Heritage Bank, then, of course, operations in GT before coming to Diamond Bank then. And, you know, I was thrown right into, like, 
customer service or okay. personal banking. So for me, it, the first experience for me was learning how to interact with people because I was a very, very timid person. I didn't like to talk to people. But, same, same here. But that experience <laughs> put me there. So I had to learn how to, my interpersonal skills, communication skills and everything. And um, then, of course, being at the core of the, the customer-facing part of the business, you get to start seeing a lot of things that users everyday users in nigeria like are struggling with yeah so um we've i basically firsthand saw how uh my salary lost value as the naira to us dollars <laughs> and everything i mean when i joined the bank i felt like i was a big boy i used to buy my stuffs um online amazon and bring, bring them into nigeria but staying there all that stayed dwindling down and i felt like i mean this is these are all financial challenges and the bank should be at the forefront of been coming up with solutions for this yeah so seeing as we've gone from cards that didn't have any limits to purchasing online to now i think it's 20 dollars per month Twenty dollars per month. it's it's crazy and i try to figure out hey what's happening here but then i i felt like okay i could impact more um being in the bank you're an employee you can't really do much you yeah. know so i felt like hey i think i had to step out a bit bringing all that knowledge all that experience and and then i think in 2016 that was when i came across blockchain and at the time i was like hey this is this is something it's pretty interesting right something pretty interesting and um i think that it was just bitcoin ethereum before the ethereum hard fuck then ethereum classic came out yeah so there are very few you know cryptocurrencies then but the fundamental was peer-to-peer transactions borderless um immutability transparency and it was all like wow this might just be the future for africa yeah you know and um that was what just i looked at and i was like hey i think i'll take a leap into this industry yeah that's 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 quite interesting when you mentioned um working in channels pos and um um all the other channels that banks used to service customers um <clears throat> it reminded me of one of the major problems that we used to tackle when, when we were deploying um, transaction lifecycle management for yeah. solutions for banks, it was dispute resolution. Mm. That was number one problem yeah. for most of the banks. I know a particular bank in Nigeria back in 2013, I don't know about its statistics now, back in 2013, they were writing off over 500 million naira every year to dispute resolutions. Wow. So <clears throat> we deployed a solution for them. I was actually the application consultant that you know did the whole um deployment and all of that back in did this in 2015 there about awesome. yeah so um what the solution does was it takes transaction records from the ATM machines from um web um they have transaction records from web and POS exactly. and then we match those transactions together and then we try to identify disputes exactly what could be the reason for the dispute and yeah. This leads us to the topic of today, which is actually traditional finance versus DeFi. The reason why I brought that up is because with the blockchain, transaction settlement is basically instant. So you don't have dispute issues that like we have in traditional finance, right? You don't have a situation whereby somebody goes to the ATM to withdraw money and then the ATM is debited. I mean, your account is debited, but you don't get value. Value, yeah. That's one of the major problems that we still face today, even in banking. Even with all the solutions that I myself even deployed, we still could not stop that from happening because it's a, it's a 
failure from the first step of the transaction, right? You know, so how do you see decentralized finance and how do you think what what, what how do you think it levels up against traditional finance in terms of a lot of all the pitfalls that we've currently have with traditional finance? So yeah, like what you were just saying about um dispute resolutions and one of the core things you figure out is that in traditional finance there are so many intermediaries. I'm sure you handled all those integrations. Yeah. Um your, your 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 standard card. Yeah. One, the issue is not even Nigeria. Yeah. Um, the infrastructures, the core infrastructure is not in Nigeria. It's not even in Africa. Yeah. Um, that's one. Then the switching companies bringing it in, 2015. I want to believe then who was handling switching for cards. I can't recall. But really, yeah, like there's just so many intermediaries, and then of course down to the bank. So of course, um, I use my card and the POS. Whatever happens, network issues or. It could be anything. I can record then in Diamond Bank, like we were using Visa. Visa was, <laughs> it was a whole lot of problem. Like every day I had customers like really screaming at me, like what's happening, failure, everything. But, and you start wondering what's going on? Like, why are we having this many um, issues? And yeah. the, the banks can't really do anything because they don't own that infrastructure. Yeah. Unlike when you now come into the blockchain, um, it's just so efficient. Yeah. Um, you do an, you do a transaction based on Bitcoin network, Ethereum, Avalanche, wherever. It's just the same thing. The tra- I pay, I say I send you a payment, you receive it. The hash is there, you can verify it. You yeah. know. So the only other thing that could be a challenge is probably okay. It's the speed. Yeah. Okay, because I understand all the time Bitcoin Ethereum was taking quite a time sometimes Bitcoin, but that is it. It's 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 one way, yeah. um, and um, you can always verify what went wrong at any point in time. Um, most of the challenges you could have, you don't have disputes like you said when it comes to the blockchain transactions and yeah. payments, unless you probably made a mistake in the wallet in address, wallet, and, yeah. and then it becomes really really difficult to be able to you know step in and do all that. But that is where you know DeFi comes in. DeFi has been able to bringing that whole blockchain architecture and infrastructure into everything. And the fact that everything is transparent and um, you basically know who you're dealing with at every point in time, you can yeah. verify transactions real time on chain. Um, it's just brilliant, I would say. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> what, what, do you, what would you have to say to people that say, because one thing that I've had a lot from people outside the industry is that DeFi, the blockchain is meant to be, the blockchain is meant to be this immutable, secure environment, right? Where you don't have a whole lot of all the BS that happens in traditional finance. But it seems like DeFi is trying to replicate what, what we already have in traditional finance. And that's why a lot of people always, okay, before we even, go too far. I don't think we defined um, DeFi. But for those who might not know, DeFi is basically decentralized finance. And what that encompasses is basically the same kind of things you do in traditional finance, but doing it on a blockchain infrastructure, right? Where you have 100% ownership of whatever um, financial decisions that you take, right? So maybe you want to send um money to someone you want to pay i mean pay some bills you want to remit money from to your family in nigeria or your family anywhere you live you know 
you do it all over the blockchain rather than doing it on um traditional finance rules where you have Western Union will be the yeah. intermediary, you have Visa, you have MasterCard, you have InterSwitch, you have um Union Pay, a hundred different intermediaries between you and um, the customer or you and the your counterparty. That's the difference. So what a lot of people say is that with DeFi now, it's like DeFi is replicating what you have in traditional finance and it looks like DeFi is also doomed to repeat some of the mistakes of traditional finance. What what do you have to say to that? So it's um it, it's it's a dilemma and most times I think is it uh is it a builder issue, is it a developer problem? Or is it a, a VC pressure problem? Or <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're like, it's early days. And I think we are all just trying to find out proper footing. Yeah. That's one. Um, DeFi, everybody is just so bent on, hey, okay, let's come up with, let's improve. I mean, like, web one, web two, web three. Yeah. So, okay, web three means, improving on the lapses of Web2. So, okay, payments in the banks. Okay, let's come down to Nigeria. Okay, I can't basically assess, um, I can't use my Naira card to make purchases abroad. What do I do? Okay, I could use crypto payments to bridge that gap. So I get a card that I can fund with my USDT or whatever, and I can make those payments and that's that. So people are just trying to find quick fix replicas of Whatever is on TradFi and DeFi. Um, Let's go co-core DeFi, okay? Um, Lending protocols. Um, In traditional finance, I have to go to the bank. I have to do a certain number of transactions. I have to do KYC. I have to bring these documents. I have to do this one. Uh, It's a whole lot. Yeah. Um, DeFi doesn't care about that. That's 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 Quiver's that's Quiver's selling point. We don't we don't care about all of that. Do you have the collateral? Fine. So long as you can get the collateral, you drop it. Okay, I have um ten one hundred thousand USDC. I want to. What does the protocols? What the protocols? Are, um, different protocols have there. Okay, if you can assess sixty percent, fine. Yeah. You assess fifty, and that's it. No problem. And I don't even think there is a time span for you to pay it. Like you, some can control it, but yeah, you know the interest rate you pay, yeah. and that is it. Um, I control all the narrative, and uh, nobody is taking my data. To understand, okay, x x amount of people are. This is the demography and exactly. everything. And then you know, trying and, to sell you other products that <laughs> exactly you know fueling consumerism basically. So you keep buying and buying, buying and buying and buying. And buying. So I I do everything. I have full control over that. But then, like yeah, um, we are in that lapse where we're trying to replicate most of the things in traditional finance. I think that's the first step of DeFi, trying to improve upon what is there but DeFi will still have some of its um, limitations and uh, for me i think the core area is adoption because of um the the the, the narrative especially when you bring it down to africa how um cryptocurrencies and blockchain was introduced unfortunately <laughs> wasn't like the best way i think it came through the mmm mavrodi and stuff yeah so there's already that bad perception about around cryptocurrencies but we are seeing the millennials and gen z changing we are Changing quickly, you know, onboarding into it. But um, I think the first step is trying to improve upon the lapses of traditional finance, especially in Africa. And that's why if you look at the divide between how uh, we're using blockchain in Africa and in the West, there is that 
the West is called DeFi. Yeah. We are not really playing DeFi in Africa. Yeah. Just when, yet. When, when you look at the blockchain analysis, you actually find out that most of um most of um Africans are really using def uh, using the blockchain and cryptocurrencies as just an inflation edge most of the time and maybe to trade slight arbitrage in P2P. Arbitrage? That's that's the major use case. But when you talk about core DeFi like interacting with um lending protocols, yeah. maybe even NFTs to some high degree, you might have some enthusiasts, maybe like you and I probably <laughs> yeah. integrates with um um DeFi protocols and all of that and try yeah. to leverage those protocols to do exactly. something different. But when you look at the average man on the streets, yeah. they're just trying to get lucky. It's more yeah. or less like gambling exactly. for, for the average man on the street. So how can we change that perception? Although I know the perception is changing, but what can we do as builders in the scene to change that perception? I think that's one of the areas where like, I really admire what you guys are building at Quiver. And um, it, it, it has to do with building very simple solutions. And I think um, first, design is very key. Yeah. Simple designs. Designs that kind of like make it look like users down here in Africa are interfacing with a Web2 protocol. Simple. Because um, I recall the first time I went to an exchange, I was like, Bitfinex, I was like, what exactly is going on here? You know, is the other book was something strange to me. <laughs> Like, what exactly is this? It took me a while to understand the other book. But yeah, so in Africa, we need to come up with very simple solutions, try to make it easy for people to... And that's why you're seeing a lot of us building some of our applications to kind of like follow, like similar to the fintech kind of vibe. Yeah. So, hey, you understand, okay, I'm collecting your name, you're this, you're doing this, you're inputting this, you're uploading that. So it's... it's we're bringing in smooth. But I think um, we need to get to a point where especially for Africa, they're building solutions that are back-end blockchain-heavy. Yeah. But on the front-end, users... Because at the end of the day, I think people just want solutions solved. Yeah. And in as much as... We, we don't need to throw all that whole jargon in their faces. Yeah. DeFi protocol and everything. I mean, this product actually enables you to do X, Y, Z. Simple. You know, um, the banking... The banks can't... You can't, I mean, you can earn this amount of APY in the banks and everything. But with this protocol, you can earn yeah. better. Is it secure on this? Yeah, you put it. So, um, and that's that's why I say, like, I, I really love what you guys are doing at Quiva because you guys have brought it down to a level where everybody can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a very good one. And thanks for the <coughs> thanks for the shout-outs. Yeah. You know, when we, <coughs> when we started out at Quiva, what we tried to do was, you know, when we talk about DeFi, and when we talk about cryptocurrencies, basically, people, like like we said, people look at cryptocurrencies as um, a platform where they can just get lucky. Okay, yeah. if I buy Bitcoin and just sit on it. Of course, of course, you will probably get lucky, yeah. right? It, like the pros, if you if you do your, your due diligence and choose specific kind of tokens, you'll probably get lucky with it. But that's not the real use case for blockchains, right? Yeah. The real use case for blockchains is to supercharge the financial ecosystem and really change the way we think about money. Yeah. That, that's the real use case. And when, when we started, we thought, look, if you want to get a loan today, if you want to get a loan today, you walk into a bank, you probably hear a no. Yeah. Your wife could be in labor in the hospital. 
and you want to get a loan, you probably hear a no. So how do we change that? We, we try to look at real-life scenarios. What, what are the real-life pain points that people actually feel? You see, a lot of people have assets yeah. that are dying. You know, my, my, my dad is into real estate. And one of the things he told me, we're just discussing, this is like three, four years ago, even before Quiver, was that majority of the real estate assets in Nigeria are dead capital. And why is that? Majority of those properties do not have the proper documentation, right, yeah. to enable them to use them as collateral for loans yeah. in the bank. So I started thinking about it. So it's not like Nigerians, when, when we say Nigerians do not have access to credit, it's not like Nigerians are poor, yeah. right? The problem comes from the financial services sector. It's not like Nigerians do not have assets that can be used as collateral to, to get loans, right? It's just that the way those assets are set up, they cannot use them as collateral. You know, somebody somebody has ancestral farmland mm-hmm. in his village, yeah. wasting away. Yeah. And he's dying to feed himself. Like, these are little problems that, if you find, uh, one of the things that I also realized that differentiates us from even countries like South Africa, not even America, is that it's access to credit. A fresh graduate can graduate from university, walk into a bank, get a job, walk into a bank and say, look, I have a job with XYZ organization, maybe some mining company, and then yeah. this is what I earn. Yeah. I want to buy a brand new car. Yeah. And you get access to loans. Yeah. It's almost impossible. I don't think that, <laughs> I don't know, except, well, I knew when people who worked in banks, right, when I think it was Access Bank then that they would give you a car and then you, you get to pay it about four years. Yeah. How many people really yeah. have access to those kind of things? You know, so yes, I, let's not completely rubbish the traditional finance okay. system in Nigeria. They're doing a lot. I mean, it's, it's an industry that I, I have first-hand understanding of how it operates. So they're doing a lot and they're even doing a lot more advanced than what you have out there when it comes to um, making transactions happen, yeah. right? So especially um, things like switching, things like um, weekend transactions. You can't still do weekend transactions in America. Wow. I think it just really started when Zelly came on board. So okay. till today, if you if you get um, whatever you have in your bank account, if you try and do a transaction on Friday night, it's not going to go through until probably Monday. Monday. But in Nigeria, you Great do that time. transaction on Friday night or even on Saturday morning, anytime over the weekend, <laughs> the settlement comes in on Monday, they batch it all together as Monday transactions. Yeah. And then, you know, so that's those are the little things that we looked at and we're like, okay, you, you know what? There's a lot of good things that we have in our system. We can supercharge it with, with the blockchain. Yeah. You know, we can make it better with the blockchain. And I think that's, that's one of the... Um, major concerns that we are trying to solve. So what what do you think can be done within the current Nigerian ecosystem to 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 make it more easier for builders right right now? Because the truth is we need more builders. Yeah. We need more builders. I don't want Quiver to be the only company doing what we are doing. Yeah. So every time I hear somebody else thinking in the same direction, I'm actually happy because what it tells me is that we are doing something right. So what do you think can be done because I know there are a lot of smart people in Nigeria. Yeah. There are thousands of smart people, millions actually. So yeah. what do you think can be done from maybe the government's end that can actually make more people in, be 
interested in in working in this industry? Um, for starters, um, the government really needs to. When you remember, they said they want to tax us now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I read it and I'm like, um, uh, we're seeing more. We're seeing more developed countries still struggle with that. I mean, like. <laughs> We're talking about you have the non-custodial and custodial wallet. So who is that you're trying to tax? Are you trying to tax the custodial wallet providers? Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But if you push, if Metamax, I have my phones in Metamax, how are you going to know what I hold? <laughs> so that that's one. But let's bring it back to your question. Like, uh, of course, the government has to like embrace the technology yeah. to some good level. Um, I, I believe um, most of the... The government seems to, especially uh, when it comes to the CBN, the the areas they usually have the most uh, issue with is areas that touch upon finance, payments, yeah. you know, and all that. Because of course, consumer protection and everything, AML, yeah. anti money laundering, and all that. Um, so it's understandable, and that's why, to a large extent, I'm pro regulation, but um, meaningful regulation. Yeah. Um, not regulation that is uh, of of which the premises I am trying to also kind of like massage my own account somewhere. <laughs> no, 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 no. But regulation that is not rent seeking. Yeah, exactly. Regulation that is futuristic, mm. long term, and um, because at the end of the day, uh, a lot of the developers in this space are millennials and younger and Gen Zs and. Um, a lot of the people who are calling the shot when it comes to policies in Nigeria are more like the baby boomers. And yeah. there, there has to be that connect to understand that, hey, this this is a new technology and these guys might be the ones that understand it the most. And um, for us builders in this space to actually really build meaningful products, there are a lot of things that also need to be built out, especially on the infrastructure side. Like DeFi in Nigeria, one of the core things, like, because let's say we're, we're trying to replicate, improve upon Fire, right so there are some infrastructures that need, that need to be in place if we are having people like um the verify me there are multiple guys handling verification kyc yeah. in the tra- traditional finance sector bringing it down to DeFi, we need a protocol provider someone needs to actually take out that job and say hey we are going to build out a decentralized id verification infrastructure because we need these things to be interpretable. I don't I, need to... I think Core ID is working on something like that. When I went for that, um, for the FinTech seminar, awesome. I think I met with someone from Core ID that they, they did a presentation on awesome. Web3 identity and all of that. So, continue. Yeah. Let me know so, 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 that's one. Um, because um, a user in Scalex, for instance, needs to be able to migrate to Quiver Finance yeah. and... I don't know if you're going to be using NFTs or whatever or tokens or whatever, but yeah. we need to be able to move across our platforms. And my ID takes me without onboards me instantly without me having to go through that to hassle go through, again. And, and yeah. that, that's, those are these are some of the things that puts blockchain ahead of traditional finance. Yeah, the ability to move across board because, for instance, I play in the NFT space a lot, and there are NFTs that you hold that give you access to various kind of platforms yeah. and. Just because that it's in your wallet, yeah, you know. So, but in trad in trad in TradFi, <laughs> I can't move my data from GT to EcoBank, from EcoBank to 
Mm. Bro, I need to go start the whole process. Yeah, you fresh. have to feel for me. You know, so um, so that's one. Um, so for me, but that. We, uh, bro, you're gonna feel a lot of forms. So we need we need such infrastructures. Then um, when it comes to DeFi protocols, builders in different area that are building out. Lending. But wasn't that the problem BVN was meant to solve? Right. If you already have my BVN, you already know everything about me to an extent. Why do I have to go to? I want to move. You know, I want to open a new <laughs> bank account and then I have to feel go through the same one million steps. But then we're seeing situations where the BVN um infrastructure has been compromised. Mm, true. It true. shouldn't be. True. It shouldn't true. be. True. And that is a problem. True. I'm not gonna mention names, I'm not gonna mention who, but we know. So we're that in this space. So so that means that kind of infrastructure should be private sector led. If it's going to be private sector led, then of course we're setting controls. I be, the, the thing is, humans are very. So we're talking about that kind of infrastructure for 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 the blockchain industry now. Okay. Should be private sector led, right? So, or sh- could it be a public private partnership like you have? Um, what do you have now? Um, I think Nibs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. NIBS is kind of like a partnership between yeah. the banks and yeah. CBN. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of a public-private partnership. Will... Yeah, exactly. There, there has to be a referee in the middle to ensure that everything is done according to the book. Yeah. I don't know how BVN is being governed. I don't know how it was possible for this system to infrastructure to be compromised. It's it's crazy because there are, <laughs> there are individuals with more than one BVN number. Yeah. How that happened, I don't know. <laughs> because I was in the bank when we were actually registering BVNs. Yeah. And it still baffles me that that was possible. I, as a banker, and I was on that dex, I supervised some of it. There's Realizing way, that someone could... I was a bit shocked finding out. I was like, how did this happen? So There's even a certain state in Nigeria that they are known for that. Let's not... Exactly. Let's not, let's <laughs> not mention them. So, so that was one. Then, coming back to DeFi, um, there was something you said about someone that has a, a family land. A lot of Nigerians have different kind of assets. Be it your gold, whatever. And you're you're stuck in the process. And I feel like one of the, the, the stages we need to get to is the ability to tokenize digitalize real life assets. So that's part of yeah. that's part of our roadmap, our product roadmap in, in, in Quiver as well. We since I started tinkering with the blockchain and the idea of tokenization, yeah. securitization and all of that, I I it came to my mind like look, if you have land somewhere, you have some real world assets. Why can't you tokenize it? You know, tie that reward asset to something on the blockchain, exactly. and then you can use it for collateral. Sure. That once we're able to do that, yeah. I believe we will really transform the financial reality of Nigerians and Africans. Africans because yeah. okay, look at like the Maasai Mara culture, and maybe some part of Nigerian culture, maybe Fulani culture. Yeah, their wealth is in their cows. Yeah, it sounds stupid if you say you want to tokenize. Or did yeah. to tokenize cows? Yeah, it, it may sounds stupid, but stupid. It's, it's, but it's possible. It's possible, and, and it has high love. It has a lot of potential. You know, potential because yeah. so if 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 we can get that done, it means that the the Maasai guy who has most of his wealth in cows, now that wealth is in the financial system. There is a lot of wealth yeah. that is outside the financial system. Exactly, and. That wealth cannot grow outside the financial system yeah. because you don't have access to leverage. Yeah. You know, 
things that can actually make that world grow faster. So, so if we can, it, so there's a lot to build, really. There's a lot to build in the, um, in, in the blockchain DeFi environment, really, especially in Nigeria and Africa. There's yeah, a lot to build. Yeah, you're right. Like, for me, I'm always of the opinion that um, Africa has the most to gain from blockchain. Definitely. Um, mind you, we are in a continent that we have 52 countries. Uh, we are not like Europe that has the e, the, e, the euro. Yeah. That makes trade across you Europe. know um, neighboring countries yeah. easy. So in in Africa we have nothing. Yeah. Our country our our currencies are very exotic. Uh, you barely see them in the international FX you know platforms. So everybody is they are very illiquid. Yeah. I can't take naira to and land in Poland and I can exchange it for nothing. Nobody's gonna take it oh, from me. So. But that's where cryptocurrency is coming. Definitely. You know, and that's where DeFi protocols come in. Yeah. The ability to intertwine all these regions, all these infrastructures. And um I, I and that's why I love it because you're building on probably Polygon Network, Binance Smart Chain, Ethereum. Yeah. The guy building from Senegal, from Kenya, is still building on the same network. Yeah. So already your infrastructures are already married. Yeah. So um, it's it's just a matter of just opening up some endpoints. Already, can I I can make payments if I want to. Definitely. You know. So it, it's it's um, DeFi. It's bringing it back to the topic of DeFi versus Tradfi. DeFi is highly scalable. It's 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 it enables us. It gives us the ability to leapfrog the rigidity of traditional finance because. Yeah. Um, I mean, a few days ago, someone called me and like, hey, he needs to send some funds to Angola and he's confused about how to do it. <laughs> but I could right now tell you, hey, if that person has a Bitcoin wallet, or you can send him value now because I don't in know any fintech that can send payments to Angola. I, I, if I, I search, don't. I could find. I, but, I think I know one, but you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I, I don't want to say Exactly. That so right we're not sure. But the guy in France knows immediately what to do to send money to Austria. Sepa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to yeah. send to Angola, you can still do the normal Western Union or whatever, but then the person will have to wait maybe two days. Then you have, you have to leave to your house, fees. go into That's... a bank, fill forms. Nah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. One of the projects that I worked on that was very... The last project when, when I was in paid employment, the last project I worked on was actually to help a transnational Pan-African bank to settle transactions between its affiliates across, I think, 37 countries in Africa. Wow. So that was a very beautiful project. We built the whole settlement infrastructure from scratch. Right. And um, and um, I noticed that when we're doing <laughs> so many different funny names, they call um, Zaf, Zolf, so many <laughs> different names for currencies and all of that. You know, transferring money between Nigeria and Ghana sometimes is a big headache, yeah. you know. So... We even did the Nigeria part of it in a silo. And then Ghana and all the other countries, we did it like combined. It, it was a crazy process. But yeah. what, what that showed me was that we have a long way to go in Africa. Because yeah. like you said, the Euro trade between European countries is yeah. five minutes, you're done. Yeah. In Africa, it's it's virtually impossible. It's almost like... It's almost impossible, and it's it, it there there are a lot of of um loopholes or whatever 
jumping jacks or whatever that you have to do, all those, you exactly. know, to, to climb just for you to be able to do simple transactions. And how do we then grow from that? I, I think we there's a lot of work for us to do in, in, in the blockchain space. There's yeah. a lot of work for us to do. We have a lot to build. And um, I think if we, keep, if we keep talking, we might not be able to finish this conversation today. <laughs> yeah. So can you just tell us a bit about Scalex and what you guys really do and um, how people can actually get to use your platform and then, you know, Okay. So for us at Skelex, um, I mean, like, uh, it's been quite a journey. We started off as, hey, we wanted to build out a P2P platform for Nigerians. And by building out a P2P platform, something that was different from what is available, attainable, even in our biggest exchange in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, because for us, we felt like, hey, this whole process of P2P can be automated. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't have to go through the whole headache of I'm buying from some from you, for instance. I have to make a payment to you. I have to confirm I made a payment to you. You have to confirm if you know receive that payment before. Um, so what we did at Scalex was hey, we built out a P2P platform that practically what we are saying is that you can be somewhere <laughs> partying, chilling, and you have your USDT up for sale. And our platform actually consumes those transactions for you real time. Or it just sees your credit a lot. Um, so we did that. But then um, we started seeing a need for more like more precise kind of payments. And that was what led us to um, partner with the FTX community. Because at the time they needed um, an on off-ramp infrastructure. Okay. And um, why? Because most of their users were going to Binance P2P. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens... I've registered on FTS. I go to Binance P2P. I want to buy Solano. Why is this on Binance now? Am I, you know? So basically, I think uh, they were struggling with some a little bit of attrition, user and mm-hmm. everything. So they need something a bit more in-house. Yeah. And uh, then I knew the then African lead. I say, hey, we'd build out something for you guys. And uh, I didn't know what to do. But I said, hey, we could build this out. Yeah. And we went back to the very back home with the team. and like, hey, hey. And um, okay. We cooked up a few things and we were able to channel I want to buy and fund a particular wallet because it's it's actually basic if you look at it. Yeah. So um so what we did was we created infrastructure, but of course FTX users had to release on our app and um, they were able to fund not just FTX, gate.io, any place. At a point we were even able to fund like a sportsbet.io. So oh, because okay. it's sort of used to even it mustn't be exchanges. Yeah, it doesn't have know. to be exchanges. So really. um so we built that out, and um, then, of course, um, in March this year, we went to the Binance Summit in Dubai, and we met up with a couple of other teams, global teams, and our perspective set open up to more opportunities and everything. And uh, we said, hey, we could actually focus fully on this on and off ramp infrastructure and try to make it as flexible as possible. Yeah. And uh, that was then when we now said, hey, okay, we are going to go fully into this uh, but then of course when it comes to on and off ramp there are a whole lot of other things you need to factor in liquidity and some other factors but we are here to do the hard work so yeah. what, what we've focused on now we've left the P2Ps there we have the bridge infrastructure that enables people to fund any wallets mm-hmm. and also off ramp directly into your bank account real time yeah. no problem so what we're trying to do now is that a lot of teams are bidding out of Nigeria and Africa Everybody's trying to provide or figure out their liquidity infrastructure in-house is a problem long-term. Mm. 
if everybody's having to build their own pay stack, if every fintech is having to build their own pay stack, it's a problem. Yeah. But if someone can focus on that and let people focus on their core business, that's what we're trying to do. Are you a lending protocol? Are you a play-to-earn protocol? Focus on your core business. We will build out infrastructure that ensures that your users can on off-ramp. And of course, what we are trying to focus on is ensuring it's as affordable as possible. So it's not eating into your cost. Into your, yeah. So um, that is what we're trying to do now. Um, Skelex is more, moving more into a B2B2C kind of infrastructure. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, the opportunity came up. We said, hey, we could actually also be one of the first web tree based on and off ramp infrastructure providers in Africa. So basically, we, I, I would say, although I understand Onboard from Nestcoin built out something, but I think it was on Tron. Uh, but what we've built out, I can basically pl- plug in my MetaMax wallet and fund it and on off ramp as well. So it's, that's why we are partnering with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build out solutions that enable people to onboard into the crypto economy because that is where we see is the base layer people need to be able to convert their fiat to crypto and to crypto, crypto to fiat, to fiat first 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 before you even talk about any other what beautiful next? esoteric exactly. thing if so, you can't get the money into the ecosystem then you can't do anything you can't do anything so so that's what we're here to do that's what we're building out and um our mobile app is launching next month this month yeah and uh but there's a whole lot in the pipeline I believe like you guys are building too. Yeah. And um, next year is going to be Q1 next year. We're going to be launching one or two more features. It's still like a secret right now, but we believe it's something that will really impact and provide a lot of value to the ecosystem. So yeah, that's yeah. what we're here for. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. And um, yeah, so that's the episode. Um, thank you. We really, I mean, I really enjoyed the chats. I learned a lot of, you know, beautiful things about cryptocurrencies that I I mean perspectives that I might have overlooked or I might not I might not have um um thought about and um it was a beautiful conversation. Thank you very much. Sure, sure. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye. See ya next time. Bye bye. Yeah. This episode of the Money Buys podcast was brought to you by Quiver Finance INC. Follow us to learn more about how to do more with less. Thank you. <laughs>